lead her every day, living for messy action. This is the Lifestyle Leadership Podcast for women who want to be the best version of themselves while making an impact. And who are willing to take messy and perfect action to get there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Dr. Tay. And we are here to guide and empower you to lead yourself every day. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, we are back and today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a Q&A style episode. Uh, Jordan and I both posted a question box on our social medias and asked, what do you want to know? And what you're going to see is there is such a range today. There's some like hard hitting questions we're going to get into, but there's also some fun ones too. So we're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to keep this episode fun, light, and short. Just as a reminder, anything shared on our episodes are not clinical advice. Please talk to a qualified mental health professional if you are needing more support. So first question, one that I got actually twice in my question box was along the lines of like balancing life, work, mom, wife, friends, and then one specifically about like as a mom, how that's at home is who was asking this. How would I balance an opportunity like, you know, social retail, network marketing, social selling, and still being a present at home mom? So for the balance answer, um, I would say time management is key. I feel like there's some weird transition that happens when you become a mom. You just like, you get a time management badge, like, you know, in Girl Scouts, when you would like get a badge when you did, it's like you naturally have to become better at it, right? Because you have to do things like shower and now you have little humans to take care of. But I would just say intentionality and time management. Like my husband and I are very diligent about planning date nights. We've connected with a few sitters and that was actually very outside of like my comfort zone at first um, because we started, we had our first sitter for Mason when he was like seven months but I knew that it was important. So getting connected with intentional date nights. And I also think like when you take that date night mentality for yourself and your kids, I think that's a good way to go about it too. So yes, I work a full-time job and my kids are at school from morning to late afternoon. And then when I come home, it's chaos. So I feel like taking those intentional dates to go get ice cream with my oldest or some days I'll keep my little one home and have those special moments with him. Really intentionality um, would be the key to balance. And then for someone who is wanting to do an opportunity, like a flexible at home network marketing, social selling type opportunity, I would say that make nap time your best friend, because that's when a lot of my stuff gets done on the weekends. And then just remember that that is by your design you can control what effort you put into it and when. So whether it's sitting in the target parking lot for an extra 10 minutes to answer messages. um, I really think that it's such an awesome opportunity for people, especially moms trying to get an income just packed into an already prioritized schedule. Yeah. And I would just add, obviously I don't have the mom piece to balance, but Also pay attention to the expectations you're placing on yourself and know that, you know, you hear this word balance and balance is hard. Like you don't really ever strike balance. So I personally find it helpful to, you know, ask myself like what takes priority today and that priority will shift from day to day, but noticing expectations, you're not going to get everything done on your to-do list, have realistic to-do lists, cut it 
in half, honestly, or even a fourth. So you can really tackle those things that are important. So good. Okay. So next up on the list, I'm a young high up leader in a global firm. How do I tackle imposter syndrome? First of all, you're awesome. Congrats for you. Um, I'll let Taylor start. Yeah. I mean, I love seeing women in these high up leadership positions. So, so incredible. And so with imposter syndrome, often, you know, it comes down to how you view yourself and your identity. And so with imposter syndrome, some of it is working on yourself, working on your thoughts and your feelings. Like there's more to imposter syndrome that often needs to be solved than just imposter syndrome. A lot of times, as hard as this can be to hear, it comes down to your self-worth and how you view yourself and what value you have to give. And so as much as I wish there was like something that it was like, here you go, like, here's this tip. I think some of it is like learning to recognize what thoughts that are popping up that are sabotaging you and also like embracing the feelings that come up. So often I find with imposter syndrome, what happens is we're feeling uncomfortable, we're feeling insecure, and we push off those feelings. We say, no, 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 I can't have these. I, I'm this high up leader, you know, in a global form firm or I'm doing X, Y, and Z, like I have to be resilient. I have to be strong. And by pushing off those feelings, what we're actually doing is we're fighting with them. So we can just say like, okay, I feel insecure right now, or I'm not confident, or I'm anxious about something like just literally saying to our emotions, I see you. It's okay to be there. That's part of the human experience, which is something that I've said on multiple episodes because it's resonating with me, right? We all have these experiences. And so often we're, when we're trying to push off our feelings, what we're saying is like, don't experience that. That's a bad thing. You shouldn't be doing it. But instead, if you can actually lean in and embrace that feeling and recognize it makes you human and you're like all the other people around you, just sometimes people don't talk about it openly. So we don't get to see their insecurities. We don't get to see them feeling like an imposter, um, but we all have moments of that. Yeah. And I would say as someone who is a young higher up leader in a global firm, I am sitting right next to you struggling with this as well. I was in a meeting two weeks ago and I had back-to-back -back meetings with a few of the same people. And in the first meeting, I was challenged a little bit and I shrunk and I like did not know how to handle it. Maybe I did know how to handle it. I just didn't. But then in the second meeting, I was a lot more confident. I was a lot more comfortable. And I actually had a leader come up to me and say, I saw a different you in both of these meetings. And, you know, we need the latter. Like, and so how can we work together? She needs to come out. She needs to take authority. So just remember too, that your impact is greater when you're you. And I know that that's hard when you're struggling with imposter syndrome. And I would echo all of Taylor's points is like, what helps me be the best me is getting up and investing in myself, you know, growth and development so that I have that mindset and mentality of confidence all throughout my day versus the latter of being like starting my day being like, Oh, I'm late. I'm not enough. Uh, you know, it, it really is a trickle effect in your mindset and in your attitude. But again, also remembering that you have so much value 
And when imposter syndrome is taking over, you don't always get to portray that value. So if you need a motivation, let that be it. Like the world needs you, your company, your colleagues, they need you and they need the you, you, not the scared. And, you know, I'm going to hold back because I'm not good enough. I'm not old enough is what I typically think. I'm not old enough to have opinions here. That's not true. Yeah. Um, as you're talking, I didn't know that story. So Jordan and I actually hadn't talked about this and it's so interesting and powerful to hear that transformation, but I'd encourage a feel good list too. So taking some time when you are in a good mood. So this is super important, write down what you're really good at and have that list saved somewhere. So when you have those moments of self-doubt again, embrace the self-doubt, know that it's okay for the self-doubt to be there. But when you have those going back to that list and rooting yourself in, you know what? I do really know what I'm doing. That's going to help pick up your confidence to go into that meeting or, you know, that boardroom or that presentation, your best self. Yeah, absolutely. And practice that's, I have to speak on a lot of meetings, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. So the next question is you've done the work and then you start reliving the past again. Why is this occurring? This is such. Yeah, I'll kick it off. I mean, I would say that Taylor has a more legitimate background in this psychology and mindset than I do. So I would say, if someone asked me this, you're human. And that's why it keeps reoccurring. Doing the work can sometimes in some capacity be a daily action and be a daily choice. On Monday, I may be like really able to focus and narrow my thoughts and not move at a million miles an hour. But by Thursday, that might not be the case. And that's just a small example of sometimes this work is small, continuous effort day in and day out so that we can continue living in this space and not the past space. Yeah, I I love that. And it's so true. I would ask, why are you trying to get rid of these thoughts? right? So you're engaging in a battle with them that they need to go away. And that by default is going to make them stay around even more. Again, it's, I I love using little kid examples because I think it really helps to visualize it. You know, like when you get in an argument with a little kid, they're going to keep screaming and yelling and crying, right? Because they just want to be heard. They just want to be seen. But when we pause and we get down on their level and you say to them, okay, I understand you have, you know, you're really frustrated or you're really sad right now. I see that. How can I help you? right? By doing that, all of the sudden, there's no battle taking place. And it actually, by accepting all their thoughts, all their feelings, it gives them a seat at the table and you need to do this for yourself. And so sometimes when things keep popping up, I often find that's an indicator we haven't fully processed through them and we're still having some resistance around them. And so when they pop up, then we want to push them away. Like I've already done the work. And what I'd encourage you to do is say, come have a seat at the table. It's okay. You're still here. It's okay. You're still thinking about all of this. And what you're going to see is that's going to help you to process even more. That's so good. One of the things I recommend in doing this is when I can't get something out of my head, I will take a walk, no kids, no AirPods, nothing, no podcast. And I will just think about it. I will actually allow myself to have that space to think about it 
I may come to a resolution. I may not, but I love that. That's giving it a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. So this next one, I'll go ahead and take. So this was, how can I advocate better for my kids when presenting at the doctor for an autism diagnosis? This mama, you know, expressed that she knows she's not the only one struggling with this and that she already has one child diagnosed. She's concerned about her younger child, but she knows that parents go through this all the time. And so we actually voice memoed back and forth for a bit on this because this is my area of expertise. So I really specialize in the early diagnosis and intervention of autism in the clinical psychology world. And what I said to her first off, just validated that it's incredibly frustrating. And unfortunately, as a provider, I hear this all the time that parents have to fight to get to see me. And it breaks my heart because I see diagnoses delayed or parents not being sure where they go to for support for way too long. And so then they're struggling through this process. And I wish I had an easy solution, but ultimately we have a systems issue with this. With that being said, on the individual level, what you can do is really not give up, keep advocating. So if your pediatrician says, no, like you have nothing to be concerned of. And you find yourself repeatedly concerned. First off, I always tell parents, you are the expert of your child. I might be an expert in autism or the pediatrician might be a, an expert in child health and development, right? But no one else is an expert in their child, but you. So trust your gut. I love calling it mommy gut. And it is something that I bring into my practice all the time. It's like, Yes, I'm going to evaluate your child in a, you know, a systematic way, but what is your mommy gut telling you? And if we have dads listening, you know, dad, dad gut goes too, but often I'm speaking to moms when I'm sharing this. So trusting your gut, knowing that you can switch providers, but I also recognize sometimes that is not feasible. Other things that I did say. So sometimes we think we need referrals and for some insurances, you do need a referral, but there are insurances you don't actually need a referral. So what you can do is you can go on to psychology today. You can look up providers in your area. Specifically, you want to look for psychologists and psychologists that know autism and contact them or contact your insurance and see if you can go find them. The other thing is don't be afraid to your primary care provider to keep saying, no, this feels really important to me. I really want an evaluation done and just continuing to kind of advocate. And I think that is what really becomes important. So that was like, a quick, quick overview of it. I actually was talking with Jordan about this as well as this mama. And I think at some point soon we will do an episode on autism and kind of some education around that, because I also know that there's not a ton of places to go for education on this topic. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, it may not be autism for you, but you may have to feel like you have to advocate in other areas. Like I told Taylor, I'm like a rule follower. And if my doctor says, no, I don't see that. Or no, I think you need this antibiotic for him. Like I typically would be like, okay, but lately I've been kind of stuck. And so just, you know, your mommy gut, yes, your gut is typically accurate and try and be resourceful and 
that advocate mentality is like very new for me. So I don't know if anyone else is like that. You're like, well, if the doctor said no, then they mean no, you know, but that's actually not the case. And to what Taylor is saying, like, you can try and seek out other resources. You're not breaking the rules. That's like what I always felt like I was doing, like breaking the rules and going behind their back. But no, you're the expert in your child. That was so good. Absolutely. This one is just a little bit lighter and it's like a, it's like a lightning round. What's your go-to TV to unwind? Taylor, you go first. Keeping up with the Kardashians, some of the real housewives. Um, I love reality TV. So things like The Amazing Race, Big Brother, Survivor. Like, I just love those shows that like you can absolutely just watch and unwind. I'm going to totally own y'all. I watch a lot of TV. TV is often on in the background, even when I'm working, which if you have difficulties focusing, I'm not recommending that, but it does seem to work for me. Many of the times there's times I have to turn it off, but I, I love TV. So I like echo the first half of that Kardashians housewives. There's something just so like, I don't have to think. Whereas right now my husband is making me watch blacklist and I absolutely love it, but I am a baby and I get scared after I watch it. My heart is racing. I'm like, Kim K doesn't make my heart race like that. They do their thing. I watch them. I go to bed. So I totally agree. agree. So the next one is what is your toxic trait? Oh, okay. My husband loves like being clean. And like, I obviously love being clean too. I love things around me to be in order and be clean, but I am also the culprit of a lot of mess. I don't stack the dishwasher, right? I leave my clothes on the floor when I'm busy and like, don't put them in the right place. So I would say that being and I'm so impatient that like, sometimes that leads me to not being the cleanest. And I would say that's my toxic trait. Yeah. Oh goodness. I mean, I relate to that one and I don't have anyone to regulate. Like I live, live by myself. So there are definitely clothes, um, on my floor way too often. My toxic trait is being late. It is, it's bad. I'm not going to lie. It is something I even try to be intentional on. So if it's for like work things, for example, I will be on time, but I am like promptly on time. There's, there's rarely a getting somewhere early, but if it's for my personal life, I mean, it's so bad. I am almost always late. And it's just, it's not an intentionality with like thinking my time is more important than people. I just truly like mismanage how long it's going to take me to get out the door. I live in an apartment building. And so I live on the fourth floor. So I take the elevator down and even something as simple as that, like getting into the elevator, then getting into my car, then driving out of the parking garage. Like that takes a couple minutes. And I literally do not account for that ever in my schedule. And as I'm saying this out loud, it's like, well, why, why wouldn't you account for that in your schedule? So absolutely. It's being late. It's something I'm honestly always apologizing for. I feel like it's something I'm known for. I am trying to work on it. It's just, I'm trying to squeeze too much in a short period of time, too much in my day. Yeah. It can, it can be bad sometimes. And it's variable. Sometimes it's just a little late, but I mean, like y'all I've been late, like 15 minutes late for like a first date before, like that's not a good impression. (laughs) Um, but Anyway, that would be my toxic trait. 
Okay. So the next one is about dating. And I get a lot of questions all the time about dating. What is it like to date right now? What are dating apps like? What is it like dating in your thirties? All of this. And I used to share a lot about my dating life on social media. Then I chose not to share as much. And now I, I am starting to share more, but you know, I think it's really interesting because I think it can be challenging. Everyone in my life pretty much is like, married or in a serious relationship and settled down and all of that. So it's definitely like a different phase of life than a lot of my friends are in. I do find I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to date in the sense of like, okay, like my biological time clock is ticking because I do want kids one day. And I, after like a lot of like personal growth, um, there's this book, it's called Single is Your Superpower. I read that by Case Kenny. And I read it last summer and that was in addition. I had hired a coach I was working with. I learned how to like slow down and actually enjoy my life. And so by doing that and realizing this life I created, like I love it. And I really love being single. Do I still want to settle down someday? Absolutely. With the right person, but I don't have that impatience. I don't have that urgency right now. And I think that's a good thing because I know what I want and I'm willing to wait and I'm not going to settle and I'm having a lot of fun in the process. So that's the biggest thing I think is learning to have fun with dating. Like recently, actually real quick story. I used to work with this company that was a matchmaking company and I had a membership. They would set me up on dates. Well, my membership expired. I decided not to renew it. Well, they recently called me and they were like, listen, like we need single women in Pittsburgh. Would you be willing to come back? You can date for free. We'll match you with the guys. So basically I'm being matched based on the guy's requests. And I've been going on so many first dates and I'm just learning to have fun with it. And if with apps, like that can be interesting too, but there's times I cannot handle apps in my life. Like it's too much. It's too much stimulus. It's too much to do. It's too much pressure. And so I just don't get on them. Right. So by removing that pressure that I have to settle down right now, that I'm on some sort of time clock and learning to have fun. I think that's made dating so much more fun. And I just really view it as getting to know guys. And if it's a match, great. If it's not a match, also great. So good. Okay. Entertaining kids. I have a four-year-old and an almost one-year-old. I cannot believe it, but I worked from home a lot with my oldest And I would say that I think we overshoot on this a lot as parents, nature, building things like we do not have a ton of toys here. We try not to do screen time a lot. And I would say things like kitchen utensils, real world things, you know, putting mud outside and letting him get the trucks muddy and clean them off, things like that. Building with magnet tiles, those things, I would pay a thousand dollars for them. The amount of like meals I've been able to make because of them. So keep it simple, keep it exploration and exploratory for them. Um, Those are my biggest tips for entertaining kids. 
One of the things I will just insert really quick that I say to parents a lot as a child psychologist is it is okay for your kids to be bored. Mm -hmm. I think we're in such this like go, go, go mentality. You think you always have to entertain them. But what we know is that boredom creates so much creativity and also like them learning how to self-regulate their attention and explore things and all of that. So it is okay if your kids are bored. Love that so much. I would not be a writer. I would not have done half of the things creatively that I've done in my life if I was not bored during the summers at home as a kid. Yeah. All right. How do you find the energy to take care of yourself while being a mom and a wife? You know, I get a lot of these comments and questions when I post that I'm up on the Peloton. My biggest answer would be that I don't wake up like at 5:30 with like the peachiest mood because I'm just really happy to be up that early. I have to Mel Robbins it and five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. But I would just say nutrition, water, sunshine. You know, I think on this, we overshoot too. We try and make it complicated. I make sure I have my greens powder. I make sure I'm moving throughout the day and I go to bed pretty early. So that's the other thing I'll add to this is start small, right? Mm -hmm. So, so often we want to like rehaul our entire routine and that's hard. Your brain is going to resist that. There's so many reasons I could get into. So start small, pick one thing. So even if it is exercise, do not say to yourself, I'm going to work out for 60 minutes, five days a week. Like it's probably not realistic. So build up to that and realize that you can keep scaling. Yep. And I would say like, even if you're trying to wake up early, don't even wake up early enough to get a workout in at first, wake up 10 minutes early and have a quiet cup of coffee to yourself. Your body will be like, Oh, this is so nice that I want to do it again tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. The last one, clearly we're, we're getting faster as we're doing this. (laughs) What is your favorite place to shop? I'd say target loft H and M. I would say I wear workout clothes all the time. It is what I live in. And I really like Lululemon, but I've been buying way less of Lulu because I discovered this small business It's called fit couture collection. And if you guys watch my stories and see me in workout clothes, like almost guaranteed it is fit couture collection. So it's an online small business that has all athleisure. And I would say that's my favorite place right now. Okay, y'all, we don't have a messy action today. We're just going to own that rather than trying to force this. Like this was just a fun episode for you to get to know us. So actually we don't have a messy action, but what I'm going to encourage you to do is go have some fun. Like realize that things don't have to be serious. And we navigated today some, you know, heavier topics and we did a fast paced answer to them, but then we also had fun and remembering that the fun and the serious can coexist. Yep. My mom always tells me when I'm stressed, Jordan, make sure you're doing one, no strings attached for no reason, just fun, enjoyable thing a day. Even if it's driving through the Starbucks drive-through and getting a fun drink or a Frappuccino. So go Ooh, do that. I love that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Sweet grace. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you again next week. See you next time. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We love when you share your imperfect but impactful progress with us on social media. We've linked our Instagram leadher.everyday in the show notes so you can tag us. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. Hit subscribe to stay up to date. See you next time.